Welcome to show 48 of the Cloth Diaper Podcast. The Cloth Diaper Podcast is a somewhat regular show dedicated to everything cloth diapering. We talk to parents, brands, and retailers around the world about their cloth diapering experience. Show 48, though, is just a show answering your questions. This is our, my second anniversary of the Cloth Diaper Podcast. In July, early July of 2018, I dropped my first trailer, much to the annoyance of my husband pestering to get me to do this finally and July 14th or so is when I had my first official show and since then we have had 48 episodes with a wide array of guests from Israel to the United States to Canada to big brands, little brands, people you don't even know, people without Instagrams, a little bit of everything talking about cloth diapering. To celebrate my second anniversary, we will be having giveaways as well as a sale on my book on Amazon, which I have been talking about, probably should talk about more, but I did write a book about cloth diapering. You can find it on Amazon if you search my name, Bailey Bowman or Cloth Diapers, The Ultimate Guide to Textiles, Washing and More. I never quite get that in the right order. If you have questions, find me on Instagram. That's really the best way to get a hold of me. So that's what we're doing. On Instagram, I asked if you have any questions. So I have pestered my husband who is sitting here stoically, weirdly, awkwardly with me as I record this introduction. And we're going to go through your questions. Some of them are related to cloth diapering. Some of them are related to cloth diapering. Um, I think they're all kind of related to cloth diapering. And maybe Eric has some questions and some thoughts of his own. Um, We'll keep this however long it goes. But there's not a lot of questions. I feel like that's not something you should like say though when you're trying to do an ask me anything. We, we, we can cut that part out. We can cut or not because I don't really want to do a whole lot of editing. So my husband Eric is here. He, um, yeah. Hi. I just want to say like when you said anniversary for a minute, I thought I'd forgotten our anniversary. That was in April. That you're was good. in April. You're good. Yeah, you I'm probably good. also forgot that one, but moving on. Okay. So we got some questions on Instagram. We got some questions on Facebook. We got some questions in my emails. What is our first question? Okay, first question. What are the best inserts to use for heavy wetters without being super bulky? I really struggle with this because there is always going to be bulk when you're looking for high absorbency. Um, You can find diapers that are highly absorbent and they might be a little bit trimmer but truthfully in my experience having a heavy wetter it's all super arbitrary and the whole idea of thickness and bulk super duper arbitrary so depending on what you need for absorbency um, and your budget will really kind of influence it and so when you say heavy wetter, I lean towards a receiving blanket or a size three cotton prefold because those are things that I know will work. They're super affordable. And to me, in a diaper, it's not super bulky. Um, sometimes I think that when we have this conversation, we need to reframe it and ask ourselves, why do we want it to be less bulky? Are Do we want it to be less bulky because we are basing this story of diapering on the disposable diaper experience? Or do we want it to be less bulky because of a certain aesthetic? Um, I honestly believe that you can't really get 12 ounces without there being 
a certain amount of girth to the diaper, but I do still think that your best bet is a pre-fold. So IMP hemp, a nuggle size three bamboo, or nuggles three ply bamboo, um, any of those, blanket. a receiving blanket, they're all gonna fold up and they're all gonna be kind of that same amount of bulk and width, but they're gonna offer that absorbency that you need. Yes, you could go get three hemp inserts and pile them up, but I still think you're like within a couple millimeters. It's not going to be milliliters. millimeters in thickness. Oh. Like if we're talking about if you lay three hemp inserts, it's all kind of going to be the same thing. So regardless of the textile out so, there. So what's that in like freedom units? <laughs> He's talking about inches. Well, millimeters, don't they use? Americans use millimeters. No, they use like weird fractions of inches. Okay, well. Which are like really hard. So for me, I would say like the bulk of a prefold is within a quarter of an inch of three hemp inserts. And the cost point is just, I don't think that's noticeable. A sixteenth of an inch. Eric is showing me with his fingers what he thinks I'm talking about, and I don't. Um, I, I don't don't trust my judgment on what a fraction of an inch looks like. So, because for a large port, when we talk about absorbency, like the biggest thing for me, like I could get a diaper in the mail, and if I weigh it, I'll know how much absorbs, regardless of what kind of composition it has. Whether it's hemp, bamboo, or microfiber, they all weigh about the same dry. Like the weight is one of the biggest indicators of indicators of absorbency. of absorbency. So the weight of a material really kind of shows that. And I like I and that's my cloth diapering experience is I'm pretty biased that I don't think that there's a lot of bulk difference between a prefold and an insert. So thank you for asking me this question, but I don't know. I so my my next question is don't have the best answer for it. Are you gonna release your own line of concrete diapers? Concrete diapers? Well, because if they weigh more, they'll they'll absorb more, right? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna release my own line of concrete diapers. I am never gonna release my own line of diapers, guys. I am not interested in being a brand, owning a brand, or doing any of that kind of work. I just like talking with all the brands, but I don't want to be a brand. I am going to leave that to Anna. I'm going to leave that to Taya. I'm going to leave that to all of y'all. Okay, so this next one I like. How do you emotionally handle it when a new print you love gets released, but you know deep inside that you already have more than enough diapers? I don't know if Bailey ever really has that realization. Yeah, I have. Okay, so he's looking at my wall and he's seeing all of my diapers piled up. Um... Um, I have, I have disconnected myself a lot over the last year and that I don't need to have prints anymore. And I just admire them. Um, one of the best things, like one of the things that I really noticed when I was really early on in motherhood and I was collecting a lot of diapers is that I was shopping in replacement of like emotional health was like shopping was that one thing I could control it was like a feel-good thing and so if you are struggling with that and you know that you have enough diapers um therapy 
<laughs> diaper therapy? No, it's just like um, we have to pause and think and like find new ways of joy. And I think that Jacqueline from Officials Jay's Nest has really kind of talked about this and really inspired me in my own emotional hearing healing is that I was doing a lot of shopping and a lot of purchasing of prints because I like them to heal some sort of trauma, some sort of struggle that I was having with motherhood um, instead of facing it. And so that would be how I've dealt with it is a lot of trauma work and a lot of personal growth work. Uh, And there's still a lot like... (laughs) Now I'm in a place where I can pass by prints. It was really hard my first year of motherhood. I would just buy prints as soon as I saw them. And I had this massive stash and it was overwhelming. And I was feeling like, yeah. Um, so if you're still in that place, it, it takes a lot of work. Um, I don't like I haven't bought a diaper just for its print in like over a year. I know. It just like bust in your balls. Yeah. I mean, I still, I did buy diapers the other day because I was feeling sad. Um, you bought diapers? Yeah, I did buy diapers. The other day? Yeah. Back in, in April, I bought uh, Noble Baby diapers. And it was kind of like, it was a sad response. But I I did it. And then I recognized that... The only reason I did that was so that I could have the high of shopping and the satisfaction of purchasing something. Um, And that wasn't really like a healthy coping mechanism. But it's really hard because right now we don't have a lot of good coping mechanisms in COVID. Like all of the things that I normally rely on aren't there anymore. Right? Uh So, yeah, prints can be hard. You can also start collecting wet bags. That's no better. A little less useful, like, once the kids are out of diapers, but yeah. Okay, next question. What is your favorite donut? Is this because I posted a picture of me holding a box of Timbits for my AMA? And if you are international, which I know that there are over 69 countries that listen to the Cloth Diaper Podcast, a Timbit is a small donut hole. It's essentially the center of the donut. It's a round, delicious, single bite thing. You purchase them in 10 packs, 20 packs, or 50 packs, or by the piece. And birthday cake flavor will be always my favorite, followed by chocolate glazed. All right. I do not want a donut dip diaper. Didn't we have a donut diaper? No. We totally had a donut diaper. Maybe. I liked it. Okay. Next one. Do you store them stuffed, assuming any of these are pockets, or unstuffed? Oh, how do I store my diapers? So I flip-flop and I go through, I do a lot of different things. So if my husband is going to be home and you're going to be changing diapers, then I stuff them. First of all, I don't really like pockets. So when I talk about stuffing, I mean pairing a prefold with with a cover. Um, so yeah, I do store my doc- diapers then that way. But if 
so my husband works for the railway and he's not really home a lot. So if I knew he's not really going to be home a lot and you're not going to be changing diapers, I would just have a pile of prefolds and a pile of covers and I would grab one, match them up and put them together as I'm changing baby's bum. But I know that you really struggled with that. And it wasn't until we were at the end of our cloth diapering journey that you really became comfortable matching prefolds and covers. Um, and you much did prefer stuffing. So it depends on who's in your life is going to be needing. Um, I also don't really love stuffing diapers because I like having the flexibility that of like, say, I know I'm going to go for a long car ride. Then I grab something a little more absorbent. Say, I know we're going out. I grab something, maybe a little bit trimmer fit and I mix and match pieces. I prefer to mix and match as I need that though was saying is partly the diversity of my stash, which not everybody has. Oh, fair enough. Would you rather fight a hundred horse size? Yeah, free phrases. Would you rather fight one hundred diaper sized horses or one horse sized diaper? Wasn't this a question originally faced with ducks? Ducks. And I would rather. Well, who's gonna fight a diaper? Like, well, how I mean, am I gonna lose? In, in in this in this context, it's like you, you gotta like spray the poop out of it. Rather spray the poop out of a lot of little diapers than one big diaper. Well, like fight a bunch of diaper-sized horses, or you know, like you gotta like get the poop and wash. Okay, next question, oh, crazy size. person. This this analogy didn't really pan out well when you swapped out the. Um... Okay, it sounded better in my mind. Uh, to repair or not to repair? I'm not handy. Is it worth it to try to figure out repairing diapers or sending them out for repair? I don't typically repair diapers. That said, sending them out for repair is quite expensive as well. Like you're looking at six to ten dollars per diaper for elastic repair. So I think sometimes when we're talking about repairing diapers, we have to consider all of our all of the options. Um, just buy another one. Sometimes it's just cheaper to buy another one. Um, I think what Bailey's saying is that instead of repairing diapers, she put them to the back of the stash. Well, okay, so I did try to repair a few diapers. Um, I consider myself somewhat handy. I know myself around a sewing machine and a needle and thread, and I have a sewing machine and a needle and thread. Um, but repairing diapers is brutal. I have heard, like, the first one is the worst and it gets easier. So... But how many diapers are you going to repair? Yeah, like... You can try it. I just, I wouldn't send them out for repair unless it was something you were really attached to just because all of the components of the diaper begin to wear down. Like PUL, I, especially now when we're using more and more detergents with additives and caustic acids and all these like chemicals and we're using really harsh machines, I see PUL can breaking down quicker than ever before in my entire career of cloth diapering. So... I would would kind of be on the side of hesitant just because if I send out that diaper and I spend $8 to get the elastics repaired and the elastics last another three years, I can't be guaranteed that the PUL is also going to last another three years. So 
that's where I'm like, eh, kind of, sort of, maybe. I would probably rather try to figure out at home if I can't get them fixed at home than cut my losses. I would never pay for diapers that need to be repaired. Um, I see people often doing that, and I think they're totally out for lunch on that. If your diaper needs to be repaired, that's it. Sometimes we are overvaluing a product, um, but... I've tried repairing diapers. It's just not for me. Covers can be a little bit easier. Pockets can be a little bit easier. There's lots of tutorials on the internet. The first one is definitely the hardest. Um, and it takes a little bit of patience. Okay, next question. Um, is a hamburger a sandwich or is it something else? A hamburger is a sandwich. Yeah. What, what about a hot dog? Is a hot dog a sandwich? That's a good question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? See, the thing about a hot dog is that it's a round sausage slice of meat instead of like a slice of meat. Yeah, but you could have like a sub and it would With be meatballs? Kind of... Yeah, meatballs yeah, I wouldn't call round. that I wouldn't really call that a sandwich either though. That's just like a weird snack. A meatball sub isn't a sandwich, but like a sub with a regular. You know meat what? Sometimes, why do we need a new word for things? Why can't we just say, "Sure, it's a hot dog"? What's the worst diaper? The worst diaper. So, are we gonna like talk about in all of like available right now, or the worst diaper in your stash? Because I think you need to answer both of those separately. The worst diaper in my stash. Okay. So the first diaper that I ever got rid of was the bum genius free time because the microfiber. Now, if we're going to talk bulk, I find that my microfiber is oh, yeah. bulky because it's thick, it's fluffy and mostly because it's so wide. Um, so that was the first diaper that I got rid of. Now the worst diaper that I ever bought was uh, a couple years ago, I decided to purchase the two and $3 diapers off wish to see what they were like. Um, would never recommend that again. I just want to say like, I see a lot of these YouTube videos where people buy wish something. I think they're almost always disappointed. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's never like I bought this on Wish and it was awesome. I'm careful to recognize that sometimes that comment is like layered in judgment. Um, but the thing about the two or three dollar diapers that I ordered from Wish is that I could see through the PUL. There was only like five snaps, and the diaper was like quite small in shape and size. So it's not that. I think everybody needs to run out and buy expensive diapers is that some of the cheapest diapers on the market really are doing a disservice to cloth diapering. And if someone was to purchase that and think, oh, this is what a modern cloth diaper is like, um, that's, that's like, that's really sad because that's really not what a modern cloth diaper is like a modern cloth diaper a lot of thought and processing goes into that. I have other diapers in my stash that don't work. So like, Rumparoo is a great brand, but not a good fit for either of my kids because I have big, thick kids. Also, same felt about the Lighthouse Kids diaper. It wasn't really a good fit on my kids. Um, and what else? I'm just like eyeing up my stash and seeing what's left. Uh, I didn't... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, really, like, 
if I was to say like stay away from any diaper, it's a diaper that's priced under $5. I found that the $5 mark when you're shopping <laughs> cheapies is kind of like where you like get that touch and go, you know, like everything up to $5 is like yikes and then once you hit five dollars it's like that sweet spot things finally start improving the quality of the pul is coming along they actually have enough snaps now like diaper improvement so i feel like this is like a lot of things in life or if you you know you've got the price point beyond which you really just don't want to buy it right yeah and like everything i would say like after you hit fourteen dollars like a fourteen dollar u.s pocket you don't really see drastic improvements point of diminishing returns yeah it's not like so like a seventeen dollar pocket yeah it's got a few more gizmos and gadgets sometimes not always they don't always have more gizmos and gadgets but it's not it's not always worth it so like more than five dollars is what you should spend and less than 15 yeah u.s dollars so so spend Nine dollars on a diaper, is I think. The problem is that you can't buy any American diapers for nine dollars. Like you couldn't go to an American retailer and purchase a pocket cloth diaper for nine dollars. About ten dollars. Like I think ten is the actual halfway point. It's probably like twelve and fourteen. So most American, I most American pocket cloth diapers are marketed around the the thirteen to sixteen dollar point. I think that's a really safe budget. All right. So different price points exist for a wide array of purposes. And in this conversation that I was having with my husband, I was kind of just trying to remember and ballpark price points. And I want to acknowledge that if you go and look, price points may be very different out there. And so what I really, the point I wanted to come across is that in my experience, purchasing diapers, the cheapest of the cheap diapers, the ones that you can buy wholesale from direct from China, those are the ones that really second guess and reconsider. You can purchase used. There's other great ways to save up and purchase diapers than buying a $2 diaper. Um, but also there are high-end diapers out there. I, I'm a girl who has a stash with high-end diapers in them. Yes, those diapers can be amazing and they are some of my favorite diapers, but there is a point of diminishing return where you're not really going to get any extra return on investment. And some of those features are not features that everybody needs. So that really like middle classic ground for pricing there, about the 15, I would say 12 to $20 point in the U.S. marketplace is a really good sweet spot where you see well-built diapers with customer care, with everything that you need. Um, and I haven't really had bad experiences. I don't know how we got into this conversation of pricing based off the question, what's the worst diaper? But um, here we are on this, and this is probably a tangent. So either spend $7 or spend $14. That, that's your advice? Just don't spend three. I think it's safe to say that the cloth community is growing, especially since we are now in a pandemic. What can and should we be doing as a community to be supportive? How do you foresee the world of cloth evolving? And how do we band together to knock down barriers of entry to ultimately get less disposables in the landfill? Yeah, so this is a really good question. Um... The biggest thing we need to do is we need to stop fighting. So if you are not 
familiar with the cloth diaper community, there is a lot of in-house fighting amongst each other. People and some groups of people fight more than others, and there's probably more groups that I don't even know about who are fighting because I'm just kind trying of... to imagine like can you imagine if Huggies and <clears throat> what's that other disposable brand? Huggies and well, so they do fight within each other, but there's like the cloth diaper community could really propel itself forward if we focused more on collaboration and we acknowledged more that there are a wide array of cloth diaper experiences. So one of the biggest reasons that I started this podcast was I was curious about learning more about cloth diapering because I knew that the rhetoric that I had been mentored on was not the only way. And I was getting frustrated that people that you would, that I would give people the answer that I was kind of raised to give people in my cloth diaper group that I was raised in, if that was like the analogy we're going to give and it wouldn't work. And you'd be like, well, this is how it should be. This is the rule. And it wouldn't work for them. And so that frustrates me. And we see a lot of that in the cloth diaper community, this my way or the highway. And I think that really has to go in order for us to be more welcoming place. There is a lot of... There is a lot of mom shaming. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of all of that going on in this space that can make it feel very unwelcoming and very like you can't enter. Um, And a lot of racism and systemic biases and all that kind of jazz. Like there's a lot of people think about what is the story when you go online and you Google cloth diapering, you're learning about a white North American middle-class upper woman's perspective on a blog. Like that's my experience. And that's, that's a very limited and narrow experience. And so I think that has a little bit of an issue with how like we're not ever really going to open up until we find a way to welcome be more welcoming and amplify voices i also always think that one of the biggest barriers to getting more people into cloth diapering especially so there's kind of two here so this is this is the, the second one is there's a two-sided prong here is one we're dealing with two-sided decades prong? two-sided prong two sides well it's like a two-sided two there's two two point issue so we're dealing with decades of disposable diaper marketing that has yeah. told us this is what the diapering experience needs to be and if you're not achieving that then you're a failure in life um that has been like ingrained in us i think it's to the point where i don't really realize cloth diapers were still even available yeah until i was like so it's like so it's that and then once you do learn that cloth diapers are a thing now you need to get over this huge learning curve and there is such a privilege in that right like to be able to have the time to learn about cloth diapering well there's there's an easy way to learn how to cloth diaper and like it's a really just buy bailey's book it's it's all there it's, it's something like $10 <laughs> I, on Amazon. Yeah, i mean yeah. That's, that's accessible to most people <laughs> <laughs> there's my husband plugging my book um buy bailey's book but even more all that information is free online like you don't even have to buy it but um yeah like my book that was kind of what some of the reasons behind writing my book but also just like it's so much information even my book is 200 pages of information that you now have to have to have time to sit down like 
I don't, I don't know how you make it more besides, besides making it more mainstream to the point where we don't have to learn about it. Mainstream. And I think generational, right? Because, uh, your parents and my parents didn't really cloth diaper because my parents cloth diapered. Okay. So my parents didn't cloth diaper as far as I'm aware. I don't, didn't grow up around it. I didn't, I don't think I knew anybody really doing cloth diapering and it's, it's like if you grow up around something, it does make a big difference. Uh, we are ha- we are in this like phase of having to relearn how to cloth diaper, and I think that's what makes it feel so overwhelming. Um, it's like okay, so when I went to college, I'm sure that many of you listening maybe have a story like this. When I went to college, there was that one really rich girl who had never lived on her own before, and she had never had to do her own laundry before because the maids would just do it, and she would just send it out. (laughs) So I can remember this young woman having to learn to do her laundry for the first time ever, and it was an experience for her. And so... That's what kind of like learning to cloth diaper is. Is it's such a big, scary learning curve for people who are not really ready for it. And so we have to break down a lot of that educational. We have to break down and acknowledge that a lot of our educational resources are telling one narrative a middle-class narrative or they are telling a white narrative and that there are stories missing there and we have to acknowledge that the online spaces for cloth diapering if people are looking for support can be strife with drama and judgment and shame and that also needs to end yeah it's like it's pretty there's a lot of little things that we got to do um And I really hope that, and like, I've been thinking about my retirement from the cloth diaper community and I'm not ready to retire yet because I want enough books. I, I want to make sure that before I leave that there is people willing to fill my shoes. I don't know if that feels egotistic. But, like, I want to see other bloggers. I want to see other people empowering people to cloth diaper. Um, And I feel like we still need some more of that support. And I would love to support more bloggers, podcasters. If somebody else wants to create a podcast, yes, please do. Because my story is not the only story. And we need more people telling stories to kind of normalize it, right? Like, the fact that I'm the only podcaster talking about cloth diapering are you the only podcaster okay there's maybe there's two podcasts and i think i saw lighthouse kids maybe started a podcast uh spray easy there's another there's another podcast by the diaper sprayer company they have a cloth diaper podcast and then it's me is it about just the sprayer or is it about <clears throat> no cloth they cloth diapering t- in general yeah they do cloth diapering in general but i think there's always room for more narratives. And if you get more people's voices in, the people who don't like listening to me will listen to them and think about how many more thousands of people we could convince. So if you've been thinking about starting a podcast, do it. I think you kind of talked about relearning a lot of this stuff, like uh, a generation of relearning. I think you see this in other, you know, hobbies where they're kind of like uh, a generation of people relearning this and, Oh yeah, right. There's like that really old school. There's going to be some of those really old school people who are like, "No, this this is how you do it." And it's like, 
But is that relevant today? Well, and, and that's probably we have relearning to do within our own community. You're right. Exactly. Like some of the advice. So if we look at fluff love advice is like five, six, seven years old. Is is that really, has it evolved? Has it? Does it, do we need to evolve? And I think we do need to evolve. I mean, if we look at how Europeans cloth diaper, I mean, my conversations and my DMs and even on the show about Europeans, they, their wash routines are different. They look different than ours and they hang to dry and they use way gentler detergents and they use synthetics and they do all their, their story is a little bit different, especially if you follow any UK nappy moms. And so that to me says that the North American story is not the only story that needs to be told. And we have to be open and we have to be willing to evolve and acknowledge that we can do things differently. That's a really hard thing to do though. Yeah, I know. It's, not easy. it's a really hard thing to give up our dryer because oh. it's so convenient. I yeah, I know, right? Know. The dryer is a big one for Europeans. Um, personal growth is really hard. And like, I am learning every day. And that's like, if I think about that first question about passing up prints, that's a lot of personal growth. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any more questions? I think that was it. I think I have one more here that showed up in my email. And so this is actually a pretty specific question to like a wash routine. And Jessica, I don't know if I can entirely answer your wash routine question. Well, I, I gotta make, I've got to ask a question here. First time I'm here in the midst of cloth diapering. Oh man, Jessica, you should really buy. Okay, okay sorry. <laughs> First time I'm here in the midst of cloth diapering. How in the heck do you figure out a wash routine? I have soft water and a front load HE washer uh, renting problems. I use BioClean free and clear. I have a buildup issue. I did a ton of detergent free washes and they're still build up. I'm so tired of washing and rewashing uh, clean diapers to get rid of buildup and I just want a wash routine that works. Oh man, okay, so you are not alone out there because I keep, this is like the third time that I have tried to problem solve this. Um, the front load washing machine with soft water is just like asking for trouble. Like, should you hand wash at that point? Well, I don't know. Well, I know nobody wants to hand wash. So part of the problem with soft water is that you do, like it's so hard to kick out wash. So Jessica says that she's using only a teaspoon of detergent. Oh, wow, okay in the pre-wash and the main wash. So, I mean, so finding out a wash routine is a lot of trial and error, a lot of trial and error. And I did ask about soft water over on my Facebook page. And maybe when the show goes live, I'll ask again and I'll see what, I'll copy and paste and see what people have to say. Because this is something that I'm really passionate about is it's not just my knowledge. It's about peer-to-peer support and that we can look at what other people are doing and then try to consider how we could then apply that to our life. So maybe I'll ask this question and then you're going to get maybe 17 different answers about how people do it. And so read through their questions, read through their answers and think, could that work for me? What could I take from their routine? Could I copy their routine directly? Are there different things that might work better? A couple of things that I've seen about soft water routines that people will do is they'll try to do um, a heavier detergent pre-wash so they might do 
two teaspoons or two tablespoons in the very first pre-wash. Um, and the pre-wash is typically to rinse out the most of the poop and stuff, but they'll do that. And then they will continue to do a heavy main wash and they find with no detergent. And because the detergent has a hard time rinsing out, you get it all into the first one and it kind of does its job. And then you get it into the second one and it does its job. Um, I guess I would also ask, like, how do you know, do you really know that you have buildup and have you, I guess I don't really know how to clarify that. Like if you're getting really sudsy diapers, if your diapers are really slimy when they come out of the washing machine, that's a good sign that you're using too much detergent. The other one is that I would probably reach out to BioClean's customer service. What do they recommend for soft water and heavy loads? Are you having the same problem when you're washing your regular clothes? How do you oh, wash your regular clothes? Um, there's a few other things that might like kind of help is bulking up your load if you could or changing around the size of your load um, but yeah soft water and front loading washing machines can be total headache uh, and it can be really difficult to ask so I will throw this up on I'm going to copy this question so is it that specific combo like top loads aren't an issue you know people will have troubles with top loaders and soft water as well I find that though with a top loader they are usually able to get a little bit of a better clean just because a top loader is a little bit more forgiving for variable wash sizes but like again that's really hit and miss so maybe it's just their wash size like uh, like so it could be yeah wash size um water agitation I really like I really don't know why you are getting build up with only um one teaspoon in the pre-wash, one teaspoon in the main, and nothing in the full rinse cycle. Like you're doing so many rinses. You're doing like five rinses. I don't believe that extra rinses is a bad thing. Just like rinses work for some people. Um so is it this machine is built up? Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Um, if you haven't, Jessica, a lot of people will recommend making sure that you're cleaning your machine regularly. Uh, front loaders can be very picky and get um, detergent buildup in them. Yeah. Well, so is it one of those ones where you put the stuff in that little drawer and then you like push it in the drawer? That's how all modern washing machines are. Okay, well. I never use the drawer, but. Well, is that potentially a way to kind of get around that is to put it in the drawer? Yeah, I think a lot of times the buildup in a washing machine is like in the barrel and stuff, in the drum and in the pipes and stuff. Oh, man. So you just like run a hot cycles through your washing machine. I'm just like imagining dismantling this thing to clean up soap. I mean, and that's it. So like here I am ragging on front load washers, but front load washers is the norm in Europe or in other parts of the world. Um, and... And families figure it out. So I'm sorry that I don't really know the answer. I live in moderately hard water, Jessica. Quite, live, quite hard. I li live in a very good lifestyle. So, um, but thank you everybody for all of your questions. My book will be going on sale sometime this week. We'll be having some giveaways sometime this month. And who knows? It's just been, it's like summertime. So I got all these summer vibes. So we're just been chilling. And the next Wait, podcast. Summer vibes today? Okay. It's been pouring rain in Northern BC and it hasn't been more than 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So 
What's that in Celsius? Like 20. Oh, yeah. It definitely didn't hit 20 today. We also went out kayaking by, up in the lake. By summer vibes, I mean that it's not snowing and there's potential to go outside and lay in the grass. The wet grass. <laughs> yeah. There are flowers in our garden. We're so, looking a bit sad, but... Yeah. And we've got lots of cool products for reviews coming up. I've got Pooter's Diapers, Dinobi Detergent, Nubble Baby, Preflats. And if you go to my YouTube channel, I've done unboxings on a lot of that product. And I have some product coming from Europe as well, some tester stuff. So I'm excited to show you guys that. And if you want to be on the Cloth Diaper Podcast, I'm not doing any more recordings until September or October. So email me then, but I will take any story and all stories. I also do guest posts. So if you prefer to write, you can write and I'll share your story on my blog, www.clothdiaperpodcast.com. And I think that's about it. Thank you for following along for two years. Um, I know I mentioned it earlier, but over 69 countries listen to the Cloth Diaper Podcast around the world. I've had over 25,000 downloads. Each show averages about 300 to 500 listens. Sometimes even more. I've had a show hit 1,000 listens. Um, I'm just blown away. Absolutely. Okay. That's like at least as good as community radio. You know, like the community radio station that sucks. I'm also just going to add here that if you want to be on the Cloth Diaper Podcast, send me an email. I won't be doing any more recordings with new guests until the fall, so think about it. I love sharing stories from anyone and everyone. This is the whole point. I want to talk about what you did that works. I want to talk about what you did that didn't work. I want to talk about your favorite cloth diaper. And I want to talk about your brand story if you're a cloth diaper brand person of sorts. So slide into my emails, bailey at clothdiaperpodcast.com. And don't forget to go follow on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks.